Welcome to Sources, Kane Academy's podcast on history and culture. I'm Andrew Zorneman, your host. In this episode, Kane Academy fellow Joe Wood sits down with Dr. John McCarthy, Dean of the School of Philosophy at the Catholic University of America. The interview was conducted on the university's campus in Washington, D.C. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sources. Well, good morning, Dean John McCarthy. Thanks for taking your time to sit down with us and with Cana Academy. Got several questions for you from the podcast conversation. Let's start with the general notion of philosophy, and let's take philosophy to be the pursuit of wisdom and the study of what is the most fundamental level, what it means to be human and to have a good life. How do you see the place of philosophy in a university education? CUA has managed to still require its students to take two semesters of philosophy and still sees that as important in the curriculum. What is the role of philosophy or the place of philosophy in a good university education? Well, you said let's take philosophy as uh, one thing. One of the characteristic features of philosophy is that it doesn't ever simply satisfy itself with uh, let's take. Yeah, it defies uh, that kind of characterization. So. It, uh, it doesn't want to take anything for granted, I suppose, uh, not even itself. So philosophy is always, in a strange sort of way, always uh, asking itself, well, what is philosophy after all? It's a strange discipline. Um, Francis Bacon, who I've uh, spent some part of my life reading, uh, famously says in a letter to his uncle, Lord Burley, I've made all knowledge my province. Uh, Philosophy has this outlandish ambition to... to a comprehensive knowledge of the whole. Uh, mm-hmm. And in that sense, it looks Sisyphean because, of course, the reach of philosophy is always outside its grasp. Uh, but all that said, there's something sufficiently defined about philosophy that allows mm-hmm. us to teach it. Here, in terms of history of philosophy, as it's taught at the CUA School of Philosophy. So, well, you see, I'm, I was sidling up to an answer to your ah, question. Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it's concerned uh, with the whole in a way that no other ordinary discipline is. I say no other ordinary discipline because um, biblical revelation makes a claim uh, to provide a, an account for the whole. Um, that is, has a kind of uh, God's eye view of things, um, Christian theology anyway. Um, as a God's eye view and of the whole, of the created whole and of its relationship somehow to the um, extra-natural origin of the whole God himself. So um, setting aside for a moment that discipline, philosophy too has uh, its ambition to a comprehensiveness, to seek an understanding of the parts with respect to the whole, uh, where the whole is all it is, and all it is as articulated through um, all of its parts. That kind of comprehensiveness is not characteristic of any other discipline. Mm -hmm. And um, 
Newman famously argues in the uh, in his little book, uh, the idea of a university that um, university ought to be a place in which students are at least introduced to the uh, task, to the responsibility of uh, situating what we know, what we are, with respect to the whole of things. Uh, so whereas every other discipline um, specializes in some way, uh, and rightly specializes in some way, looking at things uh, with respect to their being um, subject, subject to exchange, right? Uh, in the discipline of economics, uh, monetary exchange, financial exchange, commercial exchange, uh, or as um, living the science of biology, uh, or as numerable as countable mathematics of philosophy is interested in what is insofar as it is not this, that, or the other thing, but simply insofar as it is. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Newman says that uh, an educated human being will, um, will if he's doing his job right, uh, have some sense of uh, the context for his knowledge of this, that, and the other thing. That's philosophy. So, uh, in a certain way, you, you don't have a philosophy, you don't have a university until you have Mm -hmm. philosophy and, and that's in fact true as a historical matter of fact that if we grant that universities uh, originated in the Christian West in the Middle Ages um, philosophy was uh, together with theology uh, one of the two founding disciplines and then law and medicine came right. uh, thereafter. Would it be fair to say that philosophy provides a cohesion in the university that the other parts then rest upon and that you do have some possibility then of seeing things whole as opposed to simply seeing biology as biology or engineering as engineering. Is that a cohesion that you're looking for, that Newman was looking for? Uh, does it provide a cohesion? Well, <laughs> universities are fractious places. Places, uh, I don't suppose it does really. In, in the sense that uh, we're all one big happy family necessarily. Um, but again, e e every human being is naturally disposed to uh, lift his eyes up to the hills now and again. Um, <laughs> the, the, the specialist uh, that's in all of us tends to hunker down, to fixate upon, to focus upon our particular cares or concerns, um, but we do that at some cost. So philosophy, you might say, is a kind of um, guilty conscience of, uh, <laughs> of learning, of study. Uh, philosophy at CUA still enjoys the status of a school mm -hmm. within the university as a whole, one of, I think, three left in the United States of that. To my knowledge, there are three programs of philosophy that call themselves schools. schools yeah. As opposed to being a department within humanities or social sciences mm -hmm. or something, mm -hmm. some other subtitle within a larger title. Uh, does that, is that because of the Catholic identity of CUA that it's maintained that? And why is philosophy, as you said, originally at the very center or core of a university education as, as 
Christianity began at uh, universities, why is philosophy diminished, you might even say impoverished, in other places? Not just, perhaps you can see it in its uh, diminished status, but diminished as well in what it seems to be able to do. Hmm. I guess there are at least two questions there. One, at why least. are we? <laughs> why are we the way we are? Why do we call ourselves what we call ourselves? And um, why isn't philosophy everywhere like us? Uh, well, to the latter question, I'll come back to that. Um, I don't know what's their loss. Um, why are we a school? Uh, I guess there are two, two sorts of answers you could give to that. Uh, one would be that, as a matter of fact, we were founded uh, over a century ago, over a century and a quarter ago, as um, the Catholic University of the United States. I just say we were founded by the bishops of the United States at that time. They thought there ought to be a properly Catholic university in the United States. Uh, Catholic universities have a particular interest in disciplines such as philosophy and theology. Um, indeed, the Catholic Church requires all of its uh, ordained ministers to have studied philosophy, mm-hmm. uh, which is a surprising thing when you, when you think about it. Uh, after all, why should priests have to study philosophy? Anyway, so the, the, the Church... Um, actually has degree programs and obviously such a thing as canon law um, nobody else to my knowledge has canon law um, and according to the terms of the church's degree programs in canon law you have to have a school of canon law to have a degree mm-hmm. in canon law you have to have a school of theology to um, offer theology degrees properly speaking um, that satisfy the terms of a theology degree for the Catholic Church, um, such that you can go on and teach in the seminary, say, theology or canon law, or philosophy as it happens. And in in all those cases, the Church um, insists, if you will, that that you have a school and, and not just a mere department, it even specifies as you have to have a minimal size for its fa- faculty. So there it was historically, as a matter of fact, uh, that's how we came about that way. But you could say further that uh, uh, that it's right and proper that we have a school of philosophy just because of what philosophy is. It's not mm-hmm. just one discipline among many, um, which makes it to many people, I dare say, seem a little arrogant. Right, but that's, I guess that's the second part of my two-part question mm-hmm. is, sure, there are legal reasons, canon legal reasons why at CUA it's a school, but at the same time, it's fundamental, as you just described, yes. and it would seem to justify that status, but other places have gone in a different direction, and it has become one subject among many, mm-hmm. taught as one subject among many. Uh, why is that? How did that happen? What... Uh, or do we lose anything by doing that? Is that you know, not really much of a loss at all? Why it is a long and complicated story, all right, well, I I'll let you skip to the second uh, part then. Right. Uh, um, if, again, to go back to philosophy's kind of crazy ambition, uh, it, it really does seem to be 
in its scope uh, more than almost seems reasonable, uh, which is why also, so to go back to one of the the giants of philosophy, Socrates, um, in his defense of this activity of himself before his city, the city of Athens, he likens himself on the one hand to to Apollo, to this great, uh, to this divine heroic figure, uh, on the one hand, and also uh, to a horsefly on the other. That is to say, irritating, but ultimately insignificant. Um, what philosophy accomplishes is both impressive and modest mm-hmm. at the same time. So, uh, out of, if you will, I think, impatience, sometimes uh, philosophy and its historical manifestations has settled for less, has um, narrowed its sights. Um, also, philosophy has to be concerned with uh, distinguishing itself from its lookalikes. Uh, it's among its closest lookalikes is sophistry. The, mm-hmm. The wise guys, the, the people who uh, make a profession of being in the know or seeming to be in the know. Um, and in every age and every place, uh, philosophy can be tempted to be something else, to be, or people who um, aren't really philosophical uh, might present themselves as such. Mm-hmm. So there's, if you will, a kind of standing reason that uh, philosophy comes to be uh, diminished. Mm. Yeah, sorry, now, could, what, what more could we say about that? Uh, well, let, me, let me just shift gears a little bit on that. Same lines, uh, the CUA School of Philosophy is generally a history of philosophy program. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that students here wind up studying more history than philosophy or doing philosophy themselves? Uh, what exactly does that approach mean? Mm-hmm. We use that phrase, history of philosophy, in a certain way it's a misnomer. Um, if we mean by history, um, well, uh, Let's go back to another great philosopher, Aristotle. For Aristotle, um, history, what we could call, what we call history, say, is really just a record of one damn thing after another, Mm -hmm. of stuff, to use a polite word, happening. Uh, (laughs) If if, uh, the study of the history of philosophy were the study of uh, history of philosophy happening as one damn thing after another, then it wouldn't really be the study of philosophy. It wouldn't be philosophical. Uh, that's one sense of history, right, uh, as stuff happening. Now, that, in fact, isn't our own sense of history. Most people look at history and they think, well, it's a record of human progress, say. Uh, but philosophy isn't a progressive discipline. It's not the sort of thing that... Um, makes continuous strides so that we uh, confidently can claim that uh, the philosophy of the 21st century is going to be better, uh, Mm -hmm. wiser than the philosophy of the 20th century. That's an interesting distinction as opposed to 
memory capacity in computer chips where you can be confident, at least you could for a while, or airplanes were more efficient yes. over the course of yeah. time. All the physical sciences seem to be making this kind of progress. What we call philosophy, this understanding, underlying coherence that we talked about earlier, cohesiveness, doesn't seem to be making the same kind of progress. doesn't promise it anyway. It doesn't promise. It doesn't achieve it. It's not looking for it even. Um, that's right. What would it mean to say we're making progress in being human beings? And, uh, um, we're becoming uh, progressively better friends. Uh, or progressively better parents. Or well, there are people out there who think they can answer that question and believe we are doing those kinds of things. We're becoming more human, more transhuman. Uh, more transhuman, maybe. Uh, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I suppose there are people who think, yes, in every way, um, every day in every way, we human beings are getting better and better. But um, who takes that seriously? Um, <laughs> uh so uh, philosophy is not uh, the, not a progressive discipline. As I said uh, it, it comes back to uh, always asking again the, the things that we'll always be asking about, and uh, not that it doesn't uh, that we can't achieve better understanding of things. Um, we do, but uh, it's after all you you and I that have the task of. Uh, trying to understand better. Mm -hmm. um, I can't understand my own life better um, for somebody else. It's my own life. I, I have to understand better. And I have a relatively uh, short span of time in mm -hmm. which to advance in my understanding of the world around me. Um, and so it is for every human being. Uh, so within uh, those circumstances, each of us has a task of, uh, and I dare say in some measure, the appetite to understand better um, what is ultimately for us to understand um, about the world, about ourselves, about our place within the whole. Uh, and it's in that sense then that philosophy is always coming around to the same uh, considerations at some level. Uh, so then what is the history of philosophy? Well, for us, it's the, um, if you will, series of monuments, uh, monumental um, attempts passed down to us in writing uh, to actualize this task of being philosophical. So that's in the first sense what it means for us to study what we could call, loosely speaking, the history of philosophy. I mean, to put it another way, we, everyone here in the School of Philosophy, uh, will have spent some time and perhaps a great deal of time reading Aristotle. Uh, ultimately, we read Aristotle as a kind of contemporary, mm -hmm. not in the sense of someone who. we look down upon or, or treat as a mere equal, uh, but as someone who has something to offer us as an interlocutor, as a teacher, um, as valuable as uh, anyone who happens to have been born in the last uh, hundred years, uh, and maybe even more valuable, more of a teacher. Uh, so that is in the first sense why we are interested in 
the great tradition of philosophy, um, it's a matter of being interested in the best that philosophy has been. Um, rather, I suppose, in a way, if you were a student of architecture, you would want to have spent a good deal of time studying the cathedrals of mm -hmm. medieval Europe. Uh, uh, hard to beat those buildings yeah. uh, in their own way. Uh, and in another sense, we're interested in the history of philosophy in the sense that, uh, as I've indicated, we spend uh, uh, and we spend a lot of time with people like Aristotle. We would like our students, even freshman students, to have some acquaintance with Plato, with Aristotle. Uh, we we think of the the, the classics or classical right. philosophy. Why classic? Um, well, because they established the class or the kind of philosophy. Um, and that is a historical fact in the more general sense of the term history. I need to say there, there wasn't philosophy everywhere and anywhere, and then all of a sudden there was. So in relatively short span of time in a particular, very particular place in the ancient world, philosophy emerges as... Uh, as a human achievement, uh, uh, self-aware of itself as such, um, aware of itself as such, and for the first time. And, and, and so it's interesting, important even, to understand philosophy in its emergence from the matrix of what was not philosophy. Now, you mentioned that freshmen take philosophy here at Seaway. That's true at a lot of or a few places anyway, mm -hmm. I should say. Um, most of those freshmen arrived not having encountered Aristotle before. Students in classical education may well have encountered Aristotle before in some other uh, kinds of schools. Do you think it's right for secondary education to take on a thinker like Aristotle? Is it important for students? You had students, you know, you've had children who have gone through good educational programs. Do they benefit from that? Or is it preparation for the university? Is, or what is there? Is there a role in secondary education for how some of the classical thinkers think about reality, think about what is? Um, I'm not sure I could answer that question. I certainly couldn't answer it with any great degree of confidence in that I've never been in uh, the classroom in the role of a teacher right. with uh, high school students. Um, but as the father of yeah. you know, those who have gone e even, even then, uh, local teaching, you really never know what, uh, <laughs> what you accomplish. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, that's important to remember, right? Yeah. Uh, because if, uh, if you thought you could know, then um, you're bound to be disappointed. Among other reasons, you're, you're planting seeds, which you might not live to see sprout. Mm -hmm. uh, or they might sprout uh, some many years later where, when your students happen to live in another place. Yeah. So um, what actually happens for students in, uh, in grade school, uh, high school, might take a long time to really emerge for the students, for, even for the students, to say nothing of the teachers involved. Um, we could come back to that if you like. Uh, 
it's, it, I mean, parenthetically, you know, one thing that struck me quite forcefully when uh, our, our children started to uh, be of an age to go to high school, how uh, rare it is uh, to that people involved in the business of education really think about what they're doing. Uh, how rare it is that they, they ask themselves, well, what is an education anyway? Mm -hmm. uh, and what is my role in education? What is it to teach? What is it to learn? Um, those are very interesting questions. Yeah. And uh, I don't think they get asked often enough. Now, more for, fool me for having been surprised at that. Uh, <laughs> after all, I spent... Uh, most of my life now in, the, in universities, and it's certainly true in universities too, that uh, academics in higher education, as we fancy it, um, don't ask that question often enough. Anyway, um, it, it, I mean, I've seen a bit of uh, this thing that calls itself classical education. Our, our children have all had something analogous to that. Uh, and, high schools they ended up uh, attending. Um, I, I wouldn't rush into the study of philosophy as such in high school. Uh, Plato's school, his academy, famously um, required that no one should enter it who had not studied mathematics. Mm -hmm. uh, it's important useful uh, that students really have an education in mathematical things um, that they engage with books uh, with literature uh, which has a lot to offer us a great literary works of the past again uh, 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 an English program that was just concerned with novels of the last 10 years not be much of an English program mm -hmm. to go to, back to the, your earlier question. Um, the really great, great writing is writing that stands the test of time, that, uh, writing for the ages. And um, works of imaginative literature, I think, are very important for uh, the education of younger minds, um, helping to introduce them to uh, to dimensions of the world that they wouldn't otherwise uh, be acquainted with. Now, having um, said all that, uh, certainly it's possible to uh, introduce students to the kind of reading that uh, uh, is propedeutic to philosophy, that is to say, reading short dialogues of Plato, of, mm -hmm. of Aristotle, that's possible, and in, in some schools they do it and seem uh, apparently with some success uh, you need the right environment for it you need um, the right kinds of teachers uh, the right kinds of students um, students who have some support uh, at home for such activity mm -hmm. uh, students who uh, uh, see conversations happen at home poor teachers are often uh, charged with doing the impossible. Um, doing the family's job. Doing the, the family's uh, yeah. job, right? If you don't, um, if family situations are a total mess, 
then it's a rare teacher that's going to be able to make make amends for that uh, to, to overcome circumstances. Now that happens occasionally with extraordinary students and extraordinary teachers. Um, so in the right setting, it's certainly been done and uh, with some success in some schools. Um, one thing to be wary, of course, with with books of philosophy is that uh, you get them down, um, or that they are manuals, um, books of um, frequently asked questions. Right? <laughs> here's the question. Here's the answer. Or how-to manuals, how or self man worse yet, self-improvement books. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not that sort of thing at all. Yeah. I want to close with one question for you. Um, there's a lot of confusion out there these days. There's confusion in politics, uh, to say the least, confusion in the church, in religion, uh, confusion in academia, confusion on the most fundamental questions. Is there even a reality uh, that philosophy has dealt with over the course of time and struggled with? But when people are looking around them at this chaotic uh, cacophony of people and events, is there something that they can turn to in philosophy or does philosophy offer something to at least mitigate the confusion and help us find our way through it? It's hard to know. Uh, are we in a uniquely confused age? Right. Uh, it, can, it can seem that way at times. Um, no, I don't dispute that. There's a lot of confusion, as you're saying. Um, and disheartening confusion. It isn't exactly. just that we're confused, but we seem to be adrift at a loss. Um, kind of a darkening, even, yeah. people talk about. It. An acceleration at this point of that uh, of those problems, those, that sense. Yeah, and in many ways, um, kind of loss of appetite uh, for reality. Uh, yeah. Loss of appetite for life. Um, and that is a dark thing. And, and, and looking at the past, what, what, what we can know of the past, um, or what we can catch a glimpse of in the past, there do seem to be, to have been times, um, rather dark times, uh, um, dispirited times. And maybe we're in one of those times, I don't know. Um, that's certainly possible. Uh, though, on the other hand, it strikes me that uh, probably in every age there's been a fair amount of bewilderment and mm -hmm. confusion that seems to be attend human life or dog human life. Uh, can, can, can philosophy assist uh, us in responding to such circumstances? Uh, well, yes and no. Uh, no, in the sense that philosophy isn't going to uh, clean up the OK corral. Uh, <laughs> it's not, uh, philosophy doesn't have the capacity to make all of life better, uh, to sort out all confusions, to correct all errors, um, to put everyone on the path to wisdom. Uh, when philosophy or human beings think themselves in the position to do that, uh, 
they invariably seem to make matters worse, right, with their programs for reforming humanity or making humanity better. Indeed, one of the lessons of the last century was how abysmal a mess of things we make when we launch programs of the be- uh, for mm-hmm. the betterment of humanity. Uh, that said, uh, it was my experience as a, as a university student uh, that uh, certain teachers, certain kinds of reading, certain kinds of teaching um, confirmed the hope I had as an ordinary human being that there was sense to be made of things and that um, I could make some better sense of things than I possessed at the time. That it's possible to come to a richer, deeper, uh, more comprehensive, more adequate understanding of um, what was really going on, uh, what really is going on, what really is. And uh, that, that, that the appetite we all naturally have to make sense of things can find fulfillment, can, uh, can be uh, addressed in some measure. And uh, So the bumper would be there's hope in philosophy. There's hope. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's hope in philosophy. There's hope. How about that? <laughs> uh, and, and philosophy certainly has something to contribute to that. Dr. McCarthy, thank you very much for spending your time with us. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sources. We have other great episodes coming soon, so keep the conversation going and bring your family and friends. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. The producer of this podcast is Helen DeSell Zorneman. This is Andrew Zorneman, your host. For all of us at Kane Academy, thanks for listening to Sources.